Retro Hangover is supported in part by Patreon. We'd like to thank our 16-bit tier subscribers, Lyle McCarns and Ashton Ruby, for generously supporting the show. Thanks, guys. Here we go. Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to episode 48 of Retro Hangover. Producing provocative pieces, partaking proudly and partying, please parry periodically. Fuck Blizzard! Welcome to episode 48 of the Retro Hangover Podcast, your favorite podcast you are currently listening to right now. I am your co-host, Chris Copleen, and as always, I am joined by your host, Shane Lordly Necrotic Dick Dragon of Caliber Koski! I feel like I need to go get that checked out. I don't know if a necrotic dick dragon is is the best thing to be. Although, like on some level, that kind of sounds like a black magic card. That may also be because I've been playing a lot of Magic the Gathering Arena lately. So any anyone who's listening right now who's a really good artist, I want a – it's got to be the black element. They, they still do that, right? Uh, make the – okay. Yes. <laughs> the, the black element uh, and make the lordly necrotic dick dragon of caliber. And it will have like a, a, a ten five uh, stomp. What was it called? Like when they stomp and just like trample, trample, trample. yeah, trample. I don't know if that even matters anymore. Uh, with with oh, it does. Oh, okay. So ten five trample and uh, cannot be uh, instantly killed by spells or something. I don't know. He- he- hexproof. Hexproof. That's, that's called hexproof. <laughs> okay. My my magic nerd is showing. See, our patron Lyle will appreciate this conversation. <laughs> All right. So, Shane. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, how are you doing? I think this has been the massively biggest pain in the ass episode to schedule. Um, yeah, so, it really has. Yes. So we should be probably talking about a lot of interesting life stuff uh, and, and the lead up to our uh, episode this week. Which is covering, and I'll just say it right now because we always get it muddled, uh, which is Dead Space. Uh, and we'll, yeah. Yes. I think we're very excited to talk about Dead Space because it is October and it is spooky. Uh, but it, before we the get to that. The spoopiest of months. The spoopiest. Um, so, Shane. Yeah. In this spoopy month of October, what have you been up to? Nothing spoopy, oh. which is really fucking disappointing. Adulting is nothing but a series of disappointments. I have come to that conclusion. Um. Yeah, I don't know, man. It, I mean, there's been a lot of shit going on. So, yeah, we, we've been trying to record this episode at least a few times now. And just for various life reasons, we haven't been able to actually get down to do it until finally today. So um, it's just been a lot of just work stuff. Like, it's been busier than usual for me. So I was actually staying late at the office until like almost 9 o'clock last week. Not every day, but uh, enough to just kind of wear me right the fuck out and um and uh yeah and then on the flip side of things you know my my fiance is an english teacher and so she's constantly got you know papers to grade and things like that and so she's been basically spending all of her free time doing that so between the two of us it's just been kind of non-stop and then that's 
not even to mention, you know, doing anything else with our lives, like, you know, social engagements and keeping things up around the house and what all else the adulting thing requires. So, uh, it's just been exhausting, man. Although, like, weirdly enough, the you know how the past few episodes, right, I've been saying I haven't really had a chance to play a lot of stuff? Yeah. Somehow, with all of these things going on, uh, I've actually been playing more games recently than I have, like, for the past month or two. It's, it's strange. It's probably to de-stress. Yeah, that, that, that could be it. I don't know. I, um, let's see. So, actually, related to the whole, like, English teacher papers thing. So when she's grading papers, one of the things that she likes to do is watch me play video games, which I am, of course, totally okay with. And um, But her stipulation is that it has to be something with a story. She likes to watch the games for their plot, which is fine. Um, So I had been playing a lot of Kingdom Hearts 3 because she likes watching the story of that as it unfolds. And I've gotten to a point now where I'm, I'm basically just in farming mode. Like I'm almost at the end of the game and... So I need to go, but well, I don't need to, but I'm going to because it's me. You um, want I'm going to go back and yeah, and and collect. You got to get that min max and yeah, yes. Well, yes, I I have chests to get. I have materials to collect. I need to craft the ultimate weapon. Like I have shit that needs to get done. Not and that's not even including the gummy ship portions. I won't even go into that. So that's boring for her to watch, and probably understandably so. So I went to go look for something else to play. I picked up some used PS4 games a little while back at GameStop. So I had like three or four of them sitting on the shelf. So I went and looked and I was like, you know what? I'm going to throw in Last of Us Remastered because I'd never played that before. And that's pretty story driven. So why not? Um yeah, Chris already knows where this is going. <laughs> so this game is cursed, I have come to the conclusion. And I throw it in, right? And anybody who owns a PS4, you know the whole fucking rigmarole you have to go through when you start to play a new game. So it has to install the whole thing to the console. Then once that's done, it goes out, gets an update, downloads the patch, installs that shit. So I'm sitting there for like a good at least 15 or 20 minutes just waiting for this thing to actually be playable, um, which is how I like to spend my gaming time. And uh, it finishes, and so then I go to launch the game, and then I am greeted with an error message saying that this cannot be read. Like, are you serious? Why would you, why why would you let me get through all of this, only right. to get to this point? And uh, I I took a look at it. There there is a, a a sizable scratch on the disc that I probably should have noticed when I bought it. Um, so I guess that's on me, but. I guess I got to bring that thing back and swap it out for another one. So it was a bunch of wasted time and a long story to say that I ended up playing Horizon Zero Dawn and I am uh, very much enjoying that. Uh, and that that's like the, you know, the game of the year edition. So it's got all the yeah. extra DLC and stuff. Um, but that is one hell of a game. It also looks amazing, um, even on a normal PS4. A base game PS4. It's very pretty. So yeah, so I've been playing that. Uh, I started playing um, Final Fantasy X. On my PS2. Oh. Yeah. Um, I thought you might appreciate that. But I have a self-imposed restriction on that one. And that is I have my PS2 currently set up to a TV that is in my workout room. So my stipulation is that I can only play FF10 when I'm on the exercise bike. So we'll see how far I get in that. (laughs) That's that's a pretty – that's a good challenge. Yeah. Yeah, I I thought so. Um, Spoiler, I am not that far in the game yet. Okay. 
So let's see. There's that. I finished up my season journey in Diablo 3 with my Witch Doctor, um, which is always fun. And um, still playing some Magic the Gathering Arena, but a little less so now. I'm, I'm less impressed with how the meta is going in that game. It gets kind of stale, to be honest. But I think that in and of itself, that's like, what, four things, which is more than twice what I've normally been playing. So it's an improvement. But uh, what about you, Chris? What, what have you been up to that's been keeping you busy? Well, I, I've been up to quite a bit. But first of all, like that that's crazy with what you got with um, uh, The Last of Us. Because you think the PS4 has to read the disc in order to decide what game it's going to install and, and download. Yeah. So, yeah. Not to mention, like I said, that whole like the PS4 has to copy the data from the game disc to the console before it'll even play. It's like, I don't know how I even got that far in the process, but right. Like there you have it. Technically, all it should be doing is just recognizing the fast that you have a disc in the system and then playing the data that it downloaded. Right. Yeah. So basically, I'm I'm going to have to go out to, to GameStop just to buy a disc to allow the PS4 to play the shit that's already installed on it. I, I love console gaming at this point. Like, that's, mm-hmm. that's so yeah. fucking stupid. Super great. Yeah. So <laughs> I've been up to uh, working uh, as usual. So, uh, you know, like like both of us, I haven't been staying to work till nine o'clock at night because, you know, fuck that noise. But um, yeah. Indeed. I, I haven't. I have been working pretty long days because uh, I had to go over to essentially the beaches of Jacksonville to work, and I live nowhere near the beaches of Jacksonville, uh, so that's about a forty mile drive, and I'd be there essentially. You know, essentially, I'd be working twelve hour days for like almost an entire week, so that kind of sucked. Um, mm. But it's fun. You know, it's for the job. You know, that was that was part of the part of the enjoyment. Um, in addition to all the other things I, I do in my life, like you said, the social aspects, because adulting is hard and, uh, but it has its benefits. Uh, got done with the college course. So my minor, my mind, all the requirements for my minor are complete. So that's nice. Uh, so my minor, are very com- nice criminal justice. My minor portion is done. So I just have 12 more credits I need to knock out for my degree and I will be done with my bachelor's. And then I can focus more on doing, you know, wasteful stuff like playing video games, which we all know and love. <laughs> Instead of I don't know, I don't know what you're talking my brain. about, man. I, I played a whole bunch of video games in college. <laughs> yeah, you also didn't have a family and and as many bills. Okay, that, that part's true. You're probably still paying those bills today, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, at least one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's that, um, in terms of gaming, there's some other things like I wanted to mention. I was thinking what I mentioned. I didn't know if I mentioned previously, I'm just going to say screw it because if I can't remember it now, it's not important, but I have been playing uh, breath of fire three as requested by our uh, patron Ashton Ruby. When I had a list of games that, uh, I was going to be playing, uh, I'll have a rapid fire review up to that. It's an interesting game. It's a very, very, very classic RPG. And, uh, I think I'm at a point where it's kind of starting to round the corner. Uh, and, and so, uh, maybe my opinion will change on this game. We'll find out, you know, find out mm. in the rapid fire review when, if you listen to it on our 16 bit tier and on Patreon, and you'll be able to find out my full opinion on that. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, other than that, uh, like, uh, just been pacing out my, uh, I've been, I've been getting on the like limited run bandwagon recently, which is very addictive and very dangerous. So, um, I had a little and expensive. It is, uh, it's more expensive than the Kickstarter binge. That I was on, because <laughs> uh, at least Kickstarter, you can like throw it through shekels to co- some of these corporations that'll make the thing, and you're going to get a game, hopefully, eventually, maybe. But it's not like forty dollars. 
Like Limited Run, you're going to get it. You just don't know when it's going to happen. So I haven't gotten any of the games I've ordered for Limited Run yet. So I'm a little excited. Uh, I think I'm going to get Blazing Chrome for the Switch uh, at the end of the month when uh, that that expires. So I hope I look forward to that because I'm sure I've heard Shane say some really nice things about it. So uh, um, I'm looking forward to that. Other games I've been playing. Uh, Katamari Damacy I picked up for really cheap. I've played that before. That's an enjoyable game, a nice, really relaxing game. Maybe we can do a little episode on Katamari Damacy uh, in the near future. Shane, have you played Katamari Damacy? So, so I was I was just about to say um, an episode on that might be interesting because I feel like I hold the unpopular opinion that that game is not very good. So we need to do an episode on that. I think, <laughs> I think, I think, I think that's going to happen. The other thing I, I tried working on plumbing in my house, I was successful, albeit barely. Uh, so what happened was, is that my, my shower is leaking. So for anyone who doesn't know, if, if you haven't heard this already, I'm probably just repeating the choir. If anything ever starts out with, what happened was, you're about to hear a story of just complete lunacy and idiocy. So what happened was, <laughs> is yes. my, sh- my shower was leaking. And uh, the, the thing you do is there's a cartridge in, in your shower handle. Uh, yeah. So there's 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 a cartridge behind there that essentially plugs everything up when you, you turn it off. So it stops the water flowing to your shower head. So there was obviously some deterioration in the O-ring that, that kept that pressure sealed. So I needed to replace the cartridge. I've had to do it in the past, and I failed miserably last time. Uh, but I, ha- I felt fairly confident that I was going to be able to get it this time. So uh, I did the thing, and I tried to remove the cartridge, and the cartridge removed it, uh, separated itself into several pieces in the process. So again, this cartridge that's behind your valve uh, to open and close your shower is about, I would say, uh, three to four inches long, roughly. Uh, so... And it's in a and it's in a pipe that probably has the diameter uh, or radius. I can't even remember the proper terms for the shit anymore. Radius is like going like the 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 top to bottom, right? So that that would be the diameter. The radius is from the center to the outer portion. Okay, I'm getting confused with circumference. See, this is what happens when you don't do math. Um, so <laughs> Stay in the, school, kids. Yeah. So the diameter is probably a little less than an inch in this pipe. So I'm trying to get four four inches deep of pipe and an inch long diameter, make the sexual jokes if you want to. And I'm trying to pull it out with, with pliers and twisting it with a screwdriver. And I have a plumber, local plumber. He's giving me advice on how to do it because I know it's a Sunday. And he doesn't want to come out and do this shit. Uh, so he's just like, dude, just fucking do it yourself. I don't want to fucking deal with it. Just fucking remove it. Uh, if you want me to come out, you have to pay me $150. I'm like, I don't want to pay him $150 because who the fuck wants to do that? So eventually, after uh, two and a half hours of doing that, I finally got all the pieces out and was able to repair the shower. Unfortunately, we missed our uh, recording window uh, for the episode, which should have been yesterday, which is now today. So it still got recorded, but it was very, very frustrating. And that's what you do when you try to adult. Um, I say try to adult because I, I imagine in my millennial mind that a real adult would have taken care of that in 15 minutes. Yeah, see, the thing is, though, is is if there's anything that I have learned um, getting the, at least this far in life so far is that mm-hmm. I, I think anyone who we had looked up to as what we thought was an adult was basically just as clueless as us. And we're all just really good at pretending that we know what we're talking about. Like, I – okay. And, and I think you probably feel this too. But, like, I – there are still times even at my, you know – corporate job where I'm wearing a suit that like I feel 
like if someone were to ask if there was an adult present for something, I would look for someone else. I can second that. And, and like my job at my job is to be the adult. And that's that's kind of mm-hmm. what scares me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, is like I think um, not everybody, but I think a lot of other people feel that way, too, which so either that's terrifying or comforting, depending on how you look at it. I, I think it's terrifying. I, I think. Well, OK, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the key to being an adult is to pretend you have the wisdom you thought everyone else had when you were a child. That's right. We just have to keep the charade going. Yes. It's it's just getting better at faking it as you get older. It's, it has nothing to do with actually obtaining knowledge. So speaking of pretending to have knowledge about things, we're talking about <laughs> Dead Space today. <laughs> um, so I suppose with, with that intro, I'm going to go ahead and let Chris uh, take it away <laughs> with his brief, completely accurate history of Dead Space. year is 2508. The USG Ishimura, a mining ship deployed to planet Aegis 7, has sent out a distress signal. The crew of the USG Kellyan, Commander Zach Hammond, Computer Specialist Kendra Daniels, and Engineer Isaac Clark have been deployed to investigate the situation. The ship seems abandoned. It is deathly quiet. No one knows what horrors await them on this ghost ship and Isaac cannot get his girlfriend, Nicole, out of his head. Development for Dead Space would start in 2006 by EA Redwood Shores, who would later become known as Visceral Games. It was originally intended to be a sequel to the cult classic System Shock before Resident Evil 4 upended the entire survival horror scene. Taking game design from Resident Evil 4 and a setting for multiple horror movies, most notably the movie Event Horizon, Dead Space set itself apart as taking on the survival horror genre from the perspective of science fiction. Additionally, there was to be a heavy emphasis on gore and violence with a more strategic emphasis on taking down enemies. While many games at this point did reward players for making successful headshots, Dead Space would take it one step further. Players would be able to find more success in destroying individual limbs on each creature, with a different effect depending on how the player engaged the enemy. Its creepy and dark atmosphere and unique setting, along with its innovative gameplay, made Dead Space feel like a natural evolution of a genre that had begun to feel stale and begin to focus more on action than horror. Dead Space would find a release in October of 2008 for the United States and other Western territories. Electronic Arts would go all out for the marketing campaign before the release. A comic book series was created, as was an animated film that was created as a prequel. Additionally, a website called No Known Survivors was created that explored the world of Dead Space through a mist-like adventure style gameplay. Receptions from critics was almost universally positive, with an overall Metacritic score in the high 80s. It was also well received from consumers, selling a total of 2 million copies across all systems. There would be three additional games released in the series, uh, Dead Space 2 and 3, as well as the Wii prequel that was a light gun rail shooter called Dead Space Extraction. After Dead Space 3 would fail to meet EA standards of success, the Dead Space series had not seen a single new release since, and developer Visceral Games had went on to be dissolved. And that is your brief history of Death Space. 
right. Thank you for that brief history, Chris. Um, so I'm going to just go ahead and get out in front of this one and say that Dead Space is probably one of my top 10 games like of all time. I'll just go ahead and say that. It's really good. Uh, before we get to talking about um, our brief history, you know, our personal history with it, it, it really yeah. took me back about how good this game actually was. Yeah. Um, so let's see. I, it's funny, too, actually, because I'm, I was trying to remember, like, leading up to recording this episode what my what my experience with it actually was um and i had to think about it for a little bit but i came to it not right at release but it was fairly shortly after i think if i recall correctly i think i did what i kind of typically do with most things that are not like absolute day one purchases for me which is pretty far and few between but i, I waited a little bit until i think i got it on a, a steam sale actually but uh, once I did, I, <laughs> I I don't play horror games all that often, um, even though I do like the genre. Uh, but when I do, I and this is this might be why I don't play them as often because I do this to my damn self. But I I I make it atmospheric. So like if I'm gonna play a game like you know Silent Hill two or Dead Space or something like this, I kind of go like all in on it and you know turn all the lights off and put on headphones and um, really, really just crank the ambiance up, which really does, a, well, it does a lot, but then also it just, it makes it so like I, I can only play the game for maybe like an hour or so at a time before I need a break from the the atmospheric tension that I think I've given myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that's that's exactly what I did with this, and it definitely added to to the experience for sure. But I remember um, a few of the things that stood out for me playing it for the first time was definitely the, I would say, lack of slash integration of the HUD elements. I can't recall if this was something that had really been done before. I'm sure in some fashion it probably had. But the fact that, you know, your typical health and and you know, air if you need to breathe because you're in space. So there's certain sections where that happens. Um, you know, keeping track of those things or like ammunition and all that stuff was not just this floating number on your screen, but it was integrated into um, the main character's suit that he's wearing. And there's like an in-universe explanation for why that is and everything. And I just thought that was really cool. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and let me talk you know, just briefly my brief history with this game, personal histories. Yeah. I didn't play this game until like March of this year when we were amping up to play this game, to, to talk about this game in October. Because I just played it and I thought it would be a great game to talk about in October. And Shane, of course, he loves this game. So uh, we were both in agreement. Yeah, this is the game we need to talk about this month. And you're absolutely right when it comes to the heads up display. Uh, and the way the game kind of carries itself integrates a lot of elements into the way that it plays. Because other survival horror games don't really have a HUD. It's just you have a character, and if they take damage, it, the, the character shows how much damage they have taken by the way they carry themselves. Right. But there's no real way to see you know, your character's health. So like in Resident Evil, if you get attacked by a zombie, um, you might have some damage. But when you press start, it says you're fine. So you have no real way to gauge how damaged you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, same with Silent Hill. And just a lot of other survival horror games of the era. Dead Space does have a lot of the the, the HUD elements of a first-person shooter or a third-person shooter. 
while still maintaining the the feel of a survival horror by not making it, you know, with first person shooter information all over the place. And that was really unique. And that was a really innovative move that added to the overall gameplay experience. And it was it was a great move and a great decision. Yeah, I think it definitely strikes a balance between those two things, because, you know, being in that third person perspective, like you said, a lot of games that were sort of in this similar vein at the time didn't communicate that information really much at all, except in sort of vague notions, which you could argue actually contributes to, you know, the sort of like uneasiness or or dread that you might feel while playing because you're never 100% sure how your character is doing at the moment. So there could be an argument for that. But I feel like this toes that line really well to where, you know, you still get a little bit more granular information about how you know, how Isaac is currently doing, um, but it's not intrusive. And so I think it, it pulls that off, um, pulls that off quite well. So speaking of innovation, Chris, um, why don't you talk a little bit about what you mentioned in the brief history, uh, regarding the combat in the game and the weapons and how you need to take down enemies. Cause this is something that was not just a straightforward shooter. Well, yeah, I mean, so first of all, the way it shoots is, is very reminiscent of like Resident Evil 4, right? And a lot of the ways you do shoot is, is very, very similar to Resident Evil 4. Like headshots, like in Resident Evil 4, you got rewarded. They they did more damage than body shots, like I said in the intro. Uh, but Dead Space, like I said, it took it a step further, right? So creatures in there, so you have something called the Plasma Cutter, which is pretty much the primary weapon in the game. You have other weapons you can use, obviously, but... The thing is, you only need to know that the plasma cutter is best weapon. That's true, yeah. Can we... Yeah. I agree. You don't need any other weapon than that one. Dude, when you upgrade that thing, like, with the width on it and everything, that's... Mm, it's yeah. good. Maybe the pulse rifle mm. uh, to take care of the, the, the little natty things. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, yes. The cans of natty light that jump out at yes. you from the vents. No, yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, that's good for clearing up the little dudes, yeah. Brief tangent, like, all the, all the enemy names, once I, I know what they are... They're, they're fairly identifiable. Like, they're like, oh, that creature does that thing. Oh, that's the name of that creature. Right. But um, the pla- so what you can do with all the enemies, so you have an enemy running towards you, you can cut their legs out from underneath them with your plasma cutter by aiming at their legs. So you can cut their legs off. You can cut their arms off. There's some enemies that I think they're like, they're supposed to be like children. And they have these like tentacles that come out, out of their head. And you can cut off all these tentacles. And it, it's beneficial to you because when you cut it off from them, they 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 can't attack you as efficiently or as often. So the entire point isn't necessarily to go for the headshots because the headshots might not be efficient or they might not have heads. So what's better is to cut off the limbs. It makes it harder for them to attack you and it does more damage and it quickly ends, you know, whatever they're trying to do to you. Uh, conversely, there's a bunch of dead bodies all over the ship. Uh, so when you go find these dead bodies, there, there comes to a point where certain enemies can bring the dead bodies to life. And have them attack you in their own necromorph form. But if you attack these dead bodies and you can cut off their limbs or stomp on their limbs and you can take them off, when they come to life, they will have these same disabilities if you had already dismembered their limbs, if they're coming at you as an enemy, if you take care of them before they get turned into a necromorph. Yeah, also just as a related side tangent, the the first like little cutscene when you see one of those flying necromorphs uh transform a corpse into uh, another necromorph is is pretty great that's one of the one of the better moments i think in the game 
So I'm going to say something that's that might be pretty controversial here. What's that? This game's not scary. Mm, okay. Well, what's your what is your definition of scary? Tense. Um, it's, so the atmosphere is good, but here's the thing. Right. This is why it's not scary. Okay. I never felt like I was outgunned. I never felt like what I was ever going to be around the corner was going to be able to kill me, destroy me, be more powerful than me, uh, and get into my head, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, Resident Evil for me is scary because I I don't want to run out of bullets because I if I even if I kill the big bad that's behind that door, I might not have anything moving forward. Silent Hill, uh, the way that the atmosphere drastically changes and, and uh, uh, just the difference between one atmosphere and the other atmosphere. But like how one thing's all calm and foggy and the other thing's the depths of hell. Right. The, the entire shift between the two, you don't you, – you get a gradual shift in some situations for that in Dead Space. But it's not like uh, it's really trying to play mind games with you. Um, and, it, and when it does try to play mind games with you, it's almost predictable and and a by-the-numbers kind of mind game setup. Like it's it's not out – it's not outside the realm of something you can't predict. It's not like – um. Eternal darkness for the GameCube that tells you to erase your save file, right? It's <laughs> right. it's it's not that level of crazy. It never gets that level of crazy. It's it's very story driven. So while the atmosphere is great, like I'm always I'm always have too much ammo. It's never I don't have enough. It's I have too much. I have to sell it. I have to get rid of it. I have to put it in storage. It's not. Um, oh my god! If I kill this thing. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it to the end of level. I suppose that's true. I'm trying to remember back to my playthrough of it. And I know that, so I, um, there, there's a pretty good interview. You can find it out on, on the YouTube, um, with Glenn Schofield, who's the creator and director of dead space. And, Mm -hmm. um, that was actually one of the things that he pointed out that they wanted to do in the game. And for all intents and purposes did was, you know, create a, an atmosphere similar to resident evil four in that, you know, there's a limited amount of ammo that you pick up, but I would say that I think they were certainly a little more generous with it than RE four or some of those other games were, especially silent Hill, silent Hill coming across ammunition is a rarity in most cases. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the only issue I ever had with ammo pickups in dead space and being concerned whether I was going to have enough was, whether I was going to have enough for the specific weapon I had or the one that I liked to use. Um, I feel like I always had enough, you know, backup ammo for pretty much everything else. So I I guess I would agree with you at that point. As far as like the psychological horror aspect of it, I don't, if I had to guess, I would say, I don't think that's really what they were going for anyway. I mean, there are certainly elements of it. Um, and, you know, spoilers, I guess. Uh, but like the fact that, you know, Isaac sees these visions of his girlfriend who he's trying to find on this, you know, um, on the Ishimura. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that turns out to be this whole thing that totally fucks with him. And he thinks he's being attacked by a necromorph version of his girlfriend and all this stuff. So there are elements of it. Um, and, and those are things that are all emanating from, you know, the the relic that that's there. And I, we don't necessarily have to go into all of the, the plot behind it, but suffice to say, there's sort of an alien relic that gets discovered and it emits these frequency waves that, you know, kind of animate the dead and turn them into these creepy necromorph things, uh, that are basically for all intents and purposes undead. And, 
then there's this weird cult religion that springs up around this thing and all that stuff. And so that's like the source of all of the, you know, the, the problems, I guess. So I think though there are elements of it, I don't think that was their main thrust. I really think that a lot of it was more, I want to say more like, uh, well, Event Horizon, <laughs> which yeah. Schofield himself uh, identified as one of the m- biggest influences on this game, and I can certainly see why, especially as a big fan of that movie myself. Um, I really Love appreciated that. that. Well. Um, I would also throw something like John Carpenter's The Thing in there, um, like 100%, because yes. it's very science fiction-y horror and a lot of body horror elements. And I think that's really what they were going for more. So I don't think it's as unsettling scary as maybe you or even I would like, because typically that's really what I look for if I'm going to be truly scared by a movie or a game. But it, it certainly has its moments. Um, it's it's a very tense game. Like They do a great job of building the atmosphere. And a lot of that is also in thanks to the sound design and engineering that went into it. Unlike a lot of other games, that was something that they purposefully put towards the forefront when they were developing it. Uh, to where that was a priority for them was to make sure that that sounded as good as it could be. Whereas in a lot of other cases, um, a lot of the sound design and stuff kind of gets left to the wayside. And if it doesn't get done exactly the way that they wanted, well, whatever, at least we've got pretty graphics. Um, So I think that was integral to making the Ishimura a, a as creepy of a place to explore as, as it was. Um, oh, yeah. Fun fact about that, by the way, they they went down there and they were located in the San Francisco area of California. So they went down um, and actually recorded sounds from the subway system down there, the uh, Bay Area transit, the BART. Um, so if you've played Dead Space and you, you know, get on the train that, you know, sort of transports you to different areas of the spaceship, uh, as well as I think some of the door sound effects, that screeching train noise, that's that's where that comes from. And, and the sound design is fantastic. But by the way, if anyone doesn't think this game had anything to do with Event Horizon, first of all, you're wrong. And second of all, if you have a <laughs> doubt, um, just look at the ship Event Horizon and compare it to Isaac's mask. Yeah. They are almost <laughs> the exact same fucking thing. That's true. Um, that is true. But, you know, I'll, I'll say this, like, much like Event Horizon, it's it's not so much in-your-face scary. I, even though I think Event Horizon, especially when I was a kid, was very, very scary. But what's scary about Dead Space is more the lore. When you start to understand what's happening on that ship, and mm. you start to know what you're fighting, why you're fighting it, what you're killing, what happened around you, that's the more disturbing part. Um, especially early in the game with the imagery when it comes to like the, 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 like the infant fetuses and what happened to everyone on the ship yeah. and you go through the ship and you do see people that are, are still alive kind of right, right before you see them. Mm-hmm. So there are still people on the ship that you went to go rescue and you see them suffer horrible fates or you see the aftermath of what happened to them. And that's definitely creepy. And that's definitely very, very disturbing. Uh, but it just but it just goes back to me. And I say the earlier game parts are probably more of the creepy, scary kind of feeling. One, because I felt more underpowered. And uh, two, there's just there's just more imagery and there's more of a creep factor. Like it's going more into the unknown. Uh, whereas you get later into the game, you know more what's going on. Uh, you have a better understanding. And like you said, you got a lot of 
uh, ammunition for your backups. But for me, because the, the frequent and available store system that it had, mm-hmm. much like Resident Evil 4, I mean, a lot of the flaws I have at Resident Evil 4 are flaws that are with Dead Space, like enemies drop ammo, uh, you have a store you can constantly buy things at. Uh, it, it takes you from the survival horror feeling of there is the possibility I can become helpless if I do these things to, well, I have a store and if I sell certain things, I'm I, I'm, I'm going to become fine again. So there's never really this idea of fragility. There's never really this idea of powerlessness. There's this idea of I'm going to go in here and if I if I prepare myself and with the t- resources and tools I have to prepare myself with, which are ample, I'm going to be able to take care of it. So I really think more of the the the, the horror is the atmosphere and it is the, the lore, if you're paying attention to the lore and what's happening on the ship and what happened on the ship, as opposed to what you're actually doing. No, I think that's fair. And, and for the record, if you are playing Dead Space, you really are doing yourself a disservice if you are not paying attention to the lore and what's going on because that's oh, absolutely. that's a huge part of the game. Um so especially if religion scares you. <laughs> yeah, or, or you know the the yeah, the the threat of, you know, cult-like things cropping up for sure. So so going back real quick to um I suppose like the 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 weapons and the combat and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that I really liked about the game is unlike a lot of other video games, particularly shooters and things like that, Isaac isn't really equipped with uh, a lot of what would be considered more like military grade hardware, right? You know, like you're not picking right. up assault rifles and, and things like that. It uh, The majority of what he's using uh, are really just repurposed mining tools because that's what, you know, the, the Ishimura was out there for um, was it, it's, a, it's a planet cracker, as they call it. And they were going out there to mine the, you know, natural resources from this new planet. Um, so I just think that that is a really great sort of touch to it because it could have been very easy for them to just be like, I, I don't know, man, like throw a rocket launcher and like an assault rifle and some other shit in there and, and call it a day. But they, again, as Chris had said before, they went that extra step to, you know, make this cohesive experience where even the weapons make sense in the universe that they've kind of built there. And so like your, your default weapon, that laser cutter, um, is of course, you know, this mining tool that most of the employees or the miners at least would have had. And so that's one of the first things you find. But as he said, that kind of turns out to be actually one of the best weapons in the game, especially after you upgrade it. Um, and that oh, yeah. were and that's because it works so well in conjunction with the dismemberment system that they included, which was a huge piece of the design of this game when they were developing it, even as far back as like about 2005 is when Schofield had talked about really wanting to put down on paper some of the stuff that he had been thinking about, about, you know, making this game, uh, even when it was supposed to be that spiritual successor to um, the System Shock series the dismemberment thing was kind of there almost from the beginning. And, you know, like I said, if you go look at this interview that they had with him, um, he's got a notebook that they had from their meetings about this. And they were very detailed about how they wanted that system to work and how it interacted with the weapons. And it really makes you think about combat in a very different way, you know, because rather than just your standard headshot or center mass, in most cases, that is not going to work at all. And you're going to get murdered. 
Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's going to work against you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if anything, it's a waste of ammunition. So, uh, I really appreciated that cause it does make you approach combat, um, in, in a different way. So I'm curious, Chris, cause you said you felt like this wasn't necessarily very frightening because of the, the ample amount of tools at your disposal. Did, did you do a deathless run or, or how many times did you die while playing it? Uh, it couldn't, probably about five. Five. Probably about five. Okay. And, and and what I okay. So again, I love this game. I, I love the gameplay. I think it was a fun game. It's a fun journey. It's a fun the plot's great and I enjoyed it, but we have to discuss some of its flaws. Sure. And uh one of those is is kind of the way I died mm-hmm. is enemies just you get blindsided a lot. If you don't know where an enemy is coming from, you're you're gonna die. Uh <laughs> it's it's just that simple. Um, and, and that's another element I think that takes kind of away from the atmosphere is sometimes it almost feels like a zombie horde rave, mm-hmm. uh, 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 raid. So you'll be in a room and it'll just be like, okay, welcome to the room. Okay. There's two enemies over there. There's two enemies over there. Uh, and you have all these other enemies coming. So you kill those enemies and then another wave starts and then another wave starts and then another wave starts. So essentially you're playing horde mode in call of duty. And if you're not like maintaining 360 degree awareness at all times, you can have an enemy come up to you and explode and kill you. And that that's, that's kind of where a lot of my deaths were coming from. Like I didn't know an enemy was coming from the direction I wasn't facing. Right. Uh, and that kind of, that kind of took me out of the game, you know, in those instances, just because first of all, when I'm dealing waves of enemies constantly, I'm, it, it is a shooter at that point. Uh, but when you start dying to things you can't even see, it becomes more frustrating than 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 scary. It's kind of like you look at like Resident Evil 2 now and Resident Evil 3 with Nemesis. Yeah. And you knew that you couldn't take that thing down and you had to have an exit. You knew it was coming. You knew it was going to kill you. And you had to have an exit plan. In Dead Space, I didn't get that feeling. Like it was, okay, everything's here. I got to kill it as fast as possible. Oh, fuck, I died. Why'd I die? Oh, because something I didn't see came up and blew up uh, next to me. Or there was a bunch of these little enemies that came crawling all over me and killed me that I didn't see. And it killed me really quick. Uh, and that that just kind of more irritated me than, than provided any sort of real feeling of challenge. Because next time I went into the area... I just went in with the the proper loadout and just went to town like I was Rambo. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I and I can see that. I think that's a valid criticism. Um, it, it doesn't, it certainly doesn't happen all the time in the game, but there are certainly sections where that definitely occurs. And I think that, that so that's kind of the, the same thing that a lot of like uh, Dark Souls clones got horribly wrong, right? Is mm-hmm. it was difficult for the sake of being difficult but then also that sort of incorporated a lot of what you might consider to be cheap shots um and i think that's what you're sort of touching on there is that you felt like you were you were not given a chance as a player to react properly to the situation at hand and so it feels like a cheap death oh yeah it felt like a cheap death especially because there's a lot of abilities that can kind of prevent that mm. uh, outside of your weapons, like the kinesis, the slowdown, and, and, the, and the force push or whatever they have. But the game never really rewards you for using it. It almost punishes you for using those abilities, where it heavily re- rewards you for using the, the plasma cutter. Right. So when you are in those situations, you do have those things that you at your disposal, if you're seeing it for the first time, you're not going to – for me, I didn't naturally feel inclined to use them. 
And even on the replay, like if I died, I would just go back in there and I'd be like, well, I know something's coming from my six. Mm -hmm. So I'll just turn around. I'll take care of that. And I'm so good at dismembering these baddies that I I don't need to use all these things. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, And then, you know, having the frustration of what you feel like is a cheap death and then having to go back into that same scenario. I know even for me, and it's not just with Dead Space, it's any game kind of like this. Any any element of you know tension or dread at that point is just gone. It's evaporated because you yep. know the 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 fear of the unknown and the element of surprise is now not present anymore. And so now it's just more of like a uh, okay, I know I have to do this. Like let's just get through this so I can get to the next thing, which is kind of a bummer. Mm-hmm. So I can definitely see that. So the reason I asked about the deaths too, and I'll, I'll, I'll bring this up quickly as sort of like maybe a little bit of a positive counterpoint to, to your, um, criticism is, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the cool things that I think maybe went under the radar because it's not really, it wasn't, you know, out front and center or anything is Isaac's death animations are not actually canned animations. They're not pre-baked. Um, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Everyone is actually unique. So when when you get that death cam thing happen when you when you inevitably die first of all that sequence was actually lengthened during development uh because they realized that it was just a cool thing to watch um so they they lengthened that and then the enemy animations are mostly kind of already predetermined um but how they interact with your character and Isaac's character model that part is basically just completely in engine and, you know, different every time, which I thought was pretty cool. So even if you got killed by the same enemy like six different times, the the death scene that you watch is going to be different every single time. So a cool little technical thing. So, yeah, yeah. The death animations were cool. But I can tell you one thing. What's that? That was not cool. What's that? About death animations. Mm. The asteroid shooting part. <laughs> uh, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people like to forget about that. There's a good reason people forget about it. And why is that? Because it sucks. <laughs> what? What? Well, what didn't you like about the asteroids? <laughs> Fuck me. Um, <laughs> everything. I don't know. Every, every, every fucking thing. Uh-huh. Um, it, 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 like it doesn't do anything that the game was doing prior to it. I understand games like they have mini games to break up the monotony. Sure, but. Like when it's like, hey, shoot the asteroids. I'm like, okay, I'll shoot the asteroids. And then it literally becomes like an arcade game. Like how many asteroids are fucking coming at me now? How many do I have to destroy until this is over? I just want this to be done. I'm fucking bullshit. This is bullshit. (laughs) So like I don't include that towards my death count. But if I did include that towards my death count, I probably died 20 times on the fucking asteroid game. So asteroids are bullshit. Yes, just in general. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So asteroid segment aside. One more thing that I wanted to touch on before we go ahead and wrap this episode up. Um, maybe a more enjoyable sequence, perhaps, maybe not. How are your feelings on the drag tentacle sequences? Like, dislike, ambivalent? I liked them. Yeah. They're Twitch game controls. Uh, they're one of the enemies I liked because, like I said, when it comes to frailness and powerlessness, right? Uh, those were those were sections that, that did that for me. Um, I can see that much like another. Yeah, they're like another enemy in the game where like that regenerates and always comes back. 
Right. Like you have to, they have to be quick and you have to take care of it really quick or you're going to die. Like there's no real way around it. So I suppose this is uh, Dead Space's analog to a nemesis in a way. In a way, but it has like, I wouldn't call it really a nemesis because it's not really an ever present threat. Sure. Because it just happens from time to time. But like you get out of it and everything's kind of good. Um, yeah, I, I thought they were pretty cool. Uh, the reason I bring it up apart from discussion of certain set sequences in the game was was just also that I wanted to touch on real quick because I was sort of intrigued by this whole little story of how this happened. Um, so if if you don't mind indulging me. The the sequences that occur in the game where you are caught off guard and, you know, dragged by this giant alien tentacle um, was a huge challenge for the uh, development team at the time uh, to the point where they had actually spent several weeks to even months just on that one thing to try to get it to work correctly because there were so many moving parts in making that work the way that they had envisioned it T- to the point where it actually almost killed the game um, because it was just <laughs> so involved. And there was a number of times where people on the team went to to Glenn um, and asked him, he's just like, listen, are you really sure you want to do this? And he's like, yes, yes, we, we have to keep the drag tentacle in. It's too cool not to have. And and it turned out that, you know, it turned out great because like we said, it's actually a really cool sequence that, that happens. But um, without going into all of the nitty gritty details of that, they basically really just had to figure out, you know, how to get that tentacle to, you know, pop out of nowhere and then grab Isaac by the ankle and pick him up and drop him on his back and start dragging him every single time that it showed up. Because much like Isaac's death animations in the game, this was also not really a pre-canned sort of sequence. It had to really? know. Yeah, so it, it, it where the tentacle shows up, is the same every time, but it had to take into account the fact that the, as the player, you could stumble into what triggers that event to occur in a myriad of different ways. So, you know, it, it would have been jarring for you to walk into, let's let's just say for whatever reason, you're a crazy person and you walked into the hallway backwards, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's something you could do. Um, the the game would have to take that into account when the tentacle comes out to grab you by the ankle, because otherwise if it was just a pre-rendered cutscene, it would be, it would feel weird. Right. And you have that happen in other games where if you trigger a cutscene thing to happen, you're like, my character was not standing that way, or I'm not holding that weapon. And it takes you out of the experience, but this was all done in engine. So they had to figure out a way to get it so that that tentacle could reliably grab Isaac's, ankle in any any way that he showed up at that particular trigger moment every single time and then get it to pick him up drop him down and then the whole sequence of isaac shooting at the you know the weak points on the the tentacle to kill it to escape its grasp before you get murdered was actually all custom as well because they tried to just have it so that, you know, uh, the animations of Isaac shooting his weapons that they had already rendered, they tried to use those and it looked stupid. (laughs) Um, So Mm. they actually had to go through and animate for every single possible weapon in the game, custom animations for for just that sequence. So there was like an amazing amount of work that went into something that actually only occurs for like 
about 20 to 30 seconds at a time. So it really gives you an appreciation for a lot of the development work that went into sort of innovating on a lot of like mechanics um, that are present in the game. And, and that was one of their like golden rules at that studio at the time was anything that they were going to do, they wanted to try to make sure that it was innovative. And um, I, for the most part, I think they pulled it off pretty well. Yeah, I, I, I'm surprised it went to that level of detail because they really didn't have to, I don't think. I mean, I, I don't know if it added that much more to it either. Uh, but, you know, it is really cool. They, they put that much attention into yeah, it. Yeah, I just think that, you know, it, it <laughs> was it potentially detrimental? Yes, probably. Um, but yes. I have to give them kudos for at least sticking to their vision. I think that's there's something to be said for that for sure. Are you both ready to wrap this episode up? Uh, you know what? I, I think so. I think we've covered a lot of ground here. Can we just suffice to say that we both think that this game is still worth playing? I think that's kind of a foregone conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. This game, this game is totally, yeah, go back and play it. It's a great game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially if you're a fan of, you know, survival horror or science fiction, or if you were just super into event horizon and, you know, want to play through a game that's more or less that, <laughs> then, uh, d definitely give this a shot for sure. Um, we, we may not cover it in future episodes, so I'll just go ahead and say it right now since we're covering this one. Dead Space 2, also a really solid survival horror game. Dead Space 3, not so much. Mm -hmm. If you want a kind of okay co-op action shooter, then I guess you could do that. But as far as I'm concerned, Dead Space 1 and 2 are, are where it's at. And Dead Space Distraction is a fun rail shooter game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was for the Wii, right? Yep. Yeah, that's a pretty good little light gun game. Um, all right, cool. So having said all of that, um, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap this thing up now. So, uh, as we usually do, um, you know, we'll talk real quick about how you can get in touch with us or where to find us. So if you've somehow stumbled upon this episode of the podcast and you want to hear more then certainly go back to wherever you found us and listen to the rest. And if you've come across this in some other weird way, then, uh, you know, feel free to look us up on social media. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. Um, just search for Retro Hangover and you will most likely find us. We've been around long enough now that actually we are the top search result on Google for Retro Hangover. So yay us. Hooray. <laughs> uh, and we do, of course, have the Patreon that is uh, always ongoing. If you want to hear more of our bonus audio content we have available, uh, consider going and donating at the 16-bit tier. And that will give you access to all of that fine material um, with an exclusive RSS feed that you can throw into your pod catcher. Um, there is also our uh, Retro Hangover uh, merch store, and that's over at uh, bit.ly slash RHP merch. The Patreon, by the way, is also bit.ly slash RH patron, if you're interested in that. And um, other than that, I think that's about it. So uh, anything else you want to add, Chris? Play your joysticks. That's all I got. <laughs> it's good enough. <laughs>